I feel like I'm taking a risk this week. I don't have any water. I don't have anything to drink up here. So I might probably start like hacking a lung up. You know. <laughs> and or, or you'll be, or you'll have no alcohol to make cogent comments. So we may be in trouble yeah. all the way around. Hey, you know, anyways, hi, Steve. Uh, this is the stuff summer says podcast with Steve, the bi-week edition. Um, Steve, we have a, we have a, as always a great show. We've got we have got a lot to talk about. There's one thing that I forgot to put on the rundown that we're also going to talk about. Surprise! The surprise uh, gift. So we're going to talk about the Iowa game. We're going to talk about all the drama surrounding the Iowa game. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of hockey. Then we're going to. There were two media things that happened this week. When I sent you the one, I forgot the other one. I want to discuss them, um, the ethics, so to speak. Uh, and then we'll, we'll discuss our old guy as always. Are you looking forward to it? I'm ready. I had a joke. I had a joke to start the show this week, and I forget what it was. So it must not have been that good. Uh, well, the Pennsylvania State University went to University of Iowa to play a football contest uh, this past Saturday, and nothing really dramatic happened at all. It was a very boring game, and there's nothing else to talk about. So we'll skip that. Um, all right, no, for real. What? Let's let's focus this just on the game. Then we'll get to the uh, other BS because um, that's what it is. I felt like a little Donald Trump there. Like that's what it is. It's BS. It's BS. <laughs> Can't see me, but I'm doing hand motions. And that would play well in Iowa, I'm sure. Uh, it would. It would. Um, so let us discuss the game, and then we will discuss everything else. Um, the game. I've never been – I don't think I've ever been more frustrated by a Penn State loss than, than, than Saturday's loss. Not because the team played poorly. It was because I know for a fact that Penn State is a better football team right now than Iowa. It just – the injuries, which, again, I know we, we'll get into, got in the way of that. Like, I, I really genuinely think that, that had Sean Clifford stay in, I think it was it was 42 15. Like it was it was gonna be an ugly game. Like I, I think Penn State was gonna not necessarily run up the score, but I think they were gonna score some points. They were moving the ball well. Iowa could not stop that offense with Sean Clifford in. And I, I really think that injury changed everything. Um I don't know. And they, Do you agree? Yeah, and they were commit Penn State seemed to be committed to winning the game that way, right? It wasn't like, here's our running game and we're going to show you and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, Sean can pass and beat you. Our receivers are going to beat you. You know, we're not going to be bullheaded about this. We're just going to win the game the way we can. Right. And they would have won the game, it felt comfortably, had he stayed healthy. He gets hurt and even still, the defense keeps him in it. You're kind of hopeful that maybe some fluky drive happens. And Iowa still couldn't, I mean, Iowa did not, dominate the game in any way on the scoreboard as a result of the injury but it just you kind of knew it was as a Penn State fan you kind of knew that it was probably coming but you were hoping they could hang on yeah that's a very good way to look at it like it was never I and I don't even know if it's fair to say I won the game or Penn State lost the game because I don't think that that analogy kind of works here it was just kind of one of those things. It sort of happened because of everything surrounding. And and I'll be honest, like I think James Franklin probably doesn't believe in luck. I don't think he, I think he believes in preparation and all of that jazz, however you want to phrase it. My biggest thing was, uh, I kind of think just Penn state got unlucky. Like it, it really they didn't Iowa didn't do anything that scared me Penn State's defense really played well like yeah they gave up that touchdown late but again like there was the opportunity to win the game and uh, it was it was just kind of missed I think 
I don't even know if it was missed. It just through a series well, I, of unfortunate events, it just happened. Yeah, and I, I think the preparation, folks, I think you're right about the preparation and luck thing with, with Coach Franklin. And I, I can hear a couple people who are listeners to the show and who are friends of mine who are saying, okay, well, if preparation is a thing, then the backup quarterback should have got a few more series early in the season with the with the ones just to be ready in case something happens, right? But even still, and, and I agree with that, but even still, Iowa did not put this game away until the end, until the defense had just worn out and done all, all that it could, and the offense proved that it wasn't able to function at the same high level without Clifford. Let's be real. I mean, I, I don't think Penn State put – or Iowa put the game away until the clock hit zero. Like, right. Penn State had the ball, and there was a very legitimate chance that they could have hit John Dotson on a, a, a weird pass, and it could have led to XYZ, and it could have led to a field goal. If that game goes into overtime, does Penn State win? I don't know. But, I, again, like going back to the Sean Clifford thing, I, I think that very interestingly, like I think Penn State probably wins that game and it does not look – I think it's not even close. I don't think it's not even close, but I don't think it's close. Like I really think it was a two-score – it really felt like it was going to turn into a two-score game until he got injured. Yeah, it, it felt like that the whole time. And then, and then the thing you're trained to do, or at least, you know – the folks we were watching it with and people were, oh, the loss. I'm like, look, the, the, nothing's changed for Penn State as a result of this loss. I mean, the season hasn't changed. Right. Yeah. It, now at all. Win out, win your division, you play Iowa again in the championship game, and you're still going after all your goals that you said you wanted. I mean, especially because you only you only dropped a seven in the polls. So, I mean, again, I know that's not the poll, and I know the the, the other playoff, the playoff poll is going to come out this later this month. But, um, yeah, like I, I – it was frustrating in that you kind of thought it was coming and that, well, you know, there were times you thought maybe it wouldn't come. Like right. maybe they're going to, yeah, like out. it was like, uh, yeah. Um, so no, I, I was impressed with Penn state's effort. I was impressed obviously with their defense. Um, they just couldn't move the ball without Clifford and they don't need him to play to play again for another two and a half weeks. He does not need to play in the homecoming game for all I care. They better be able to beat Illinois with Illinois without him keep them healthy, and then you play Ohio State for what amounts to, as always, the biggest game of the season. Right. Um, let's, and let's come back to that because I think that had a lot to do with Saturday. But um, I think the other thing that happened, and this is going to start getting into the controversy things, but I, I still don't think that that touchdown – that the, the first Iowa touchdown was a touchdown. By role, as, as I understand it, that is not a touchdown. I don't wish we would have gotten more explanation on it. Would have been super fascinating to see what happens if, if they don't call that a touchdown. It's out at the two. Penn State's defense, which has been phenomenal in the, in the red zone, inside the 10, holds them. Eh, you know, it's a field goal. That ends up being a field goal. Okay, well, now the score is... 20 to 20 or, or, or 19 to 20 late in the game. And now Iowa is putting pressure on and the defense has to, again, like, like you said, I don't, I am not losing sleep over the fact that literally nothing changes for Penn state. Yes. They lost a game. Will it hurt them in the ranking? So to speak, who knows? Probably not because if they go and they beat Ohio state, they beat Michigan. And if Michigan State is still a top 10 team, hell, even a top 20 team, it's a very impressive win. And then they go to a Big Ten championship, beat the team that they lost to in theory, because I looked at Iowa's schedule, which is just an absolute joke, by the way. Hold on. Let me read this to you, Steve. <laughs> um, so Purdue, at it's home Purdue, at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and at Nebraska. The toughest team that they play on that schedule is probably Penn State. Like, and unfortunately, yeah, it is the game that Penn State lost. But anyways, so I I agree with you. Like it, this, in a weird way, feels like a weird redemption as long as Sean Clifford can come back for the 2019 season because the exact same thing we were we were, we were right back to where we were in 20, 2019. You go to Minnesota, you lose at Minnesota relatively heartbreaking fashion same exact situation if anything you've got a more pissed off football team given everything that's going on yeah i mean i 
I mean, they may have a tougher road at the end of the season than that team had looking, looking at them. Cause it, the schedule, you know, looks tough. Um, and the touchdown and going back to that in terms from a broadcast and a media standpoint, Fox was on it. I mean, they, they, they said the right, right. Things. Fox. That was <clears throat> one of They're the more just, impressive parts of Saturday's that contest from Fox that they were, I mean, that's how I understood the ball. I mean, his hand, like his hand, they must just not had the angle. That, uh, I guess, but I don't know whether the camera would have given you the angle. And and I and kudos to the referee because if they don't rule it a touchdown, it doesn't get reviewed. I guess if they don't rule a touchdown, that's not a score. But I, I always wonder why they don't call close plays touchdowns so they get reviewed. Right. Right. So not that they were calling it for the review, but it seemed clear that he was out. I appreciate that you get goal line extended, but the ball has to pass the goal line. The ball was out of bounds before he hit the pylon. I mean, unlike last year in a game against the team that wore red uniforms. But it just, yeah, And Fox, but Fox knew it. Fox said it. They brought in Blandino quickly. They did a good job with it. But then the <laughs> they somehow looked at it, either didn't have the review, didn't have any question in their mind, and off we went Yeah, you know, right. to, yeah. to kick the extra point. All right. Anything else you want to say there? Because we've got a lot to, to discuss. I can't wait for the next stuff. Okay. Here we go. Let's go. All right. So... <clears throat> Part of the reason why we didn't go to the Iowa game is because you either, when you go to Iowa, you either meet the nicest people in the world, like the very stereotypical Midwestern, hey, how you doing? Can I get you anything? Like, what do you need? Or then you get, for lack of a better term, the assholes that are from Iowa, like just like people that probably don't necessarily interact with city slickers very often um, live on a cornfield. And I think that's really where like Saturday and then everything that's happened after Saturday kind of comes from is just like, I don't think this happens really any other big 10 school. I, I think Iowa people, number one, are like still just like very pissed off from 2017. Like I like you could tell even when we went in 2019, people were annoyed about it. Um, I think 2019 was like even then still like a game that they felt like they should have won, which was ended up being like a one score game. And I think there was just like so much animosity that I think it boiled up. And I think that's where it looks because when you go back and watch the replay, of the game they were booing from the first injury it was not like it was the third quarter and they were starting to boo with it at injuries and uh, everybody's kind of beat this to a dead dead horse so to speak this week already but like there's nothing to gain from penn state doing that and it would have been in in I don't want to get the James Franklin stuff yet. Cause I think we should talk about Kirk Ferentz and what he said first, but when Kirk, James Franklin was like, look, like why would my best defensive players sit out on plays? Like, why would I have legitimately all three of the top defensive players Arnold, Arnold, because I, I'm sorry, Arnold, Epikite, um, you got, um, Jaquan Brisker, and then you've got PJ Mustafer. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what sport you coach. I don't care what anything you do. You would never have, like, if you were working in an office, you would never have people purposely tank a job or whatever in a very high-pressure situation. It doesn't matter what – just makes absolute no sense. And, like, looking back at everything – I, I have to wonder if like the 2017 game, the 2019 game, just like, like there's so much animosity there. Just, I think Kirk Ferentz was just like, you know what? You're going to kind of be my punching bag. And, and, and that's exactly what happened here. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I really think that's what it is. I think that Kirk Ferentz probably doesn't like that. James Franklin is flashy is, is more aggressive um, is more vocal is, not of the older generation. Um, And uh, I think that has, I think that also probably had some of it to do with it. I don't know. I'm going to shut up and let you talk. I think, I think it, well, you're right. It was there from the start. I think another piece of it, ironically enough, or, or 
just the truth of it is, is the, the, the approach of fans when you get games at night and you all dress them in a single color or two colors and you start, you wanting that, you want that tribal mentality from your fans and you want your fans to be involved. Sometimes they go a little too far. Like I, I think, you know, I mean, there'll be people, I think the praise from Auburn fans earlier this year has generally been universal, but there were a couple of things that I saw from Auburn fans who didn't have a good time here. Right. right? Who did get, who did get to meet people who weren't as pleasant as everybody else. So I think more Iowa fans than not decided that that was going to be that way from the start. And it's just nonsensical. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, even if it's a, even if it's a pro game, it's still just nonsensical. Right. I mean, if you know football, yeah, forget the offense, forget whatever the common sense of it tells you they're not having their top players fake injuries. It's just silly. And And, it wasn't even like the, they keep going back. Oh, it was after big plays. Like Iowa, other than the touchdown, other than the, the late touchdown, didn't really rattle off a big play like they didn't no i mean i and i think i think i don't think i know the fans were wrong i believe ference was wrong because he knows better he's done this long enough to know better and 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 he dropped the ball on an opportunity and perhaps that's who he is uh, to 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 be a voice of the sport like i i think coach franklin's Mm -hmm. gone a little bit too heavy on being the voice of the sport like i i think Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna insinuate that they were clowns, just say they were clowns. I mean, I know you don't want to give them board bulletin board material for the next time this year or in the future, but I don't think you need to go chapter and verse and talk about the, the willingness of the kids. Not that he's wrong, but certainly Ference was wrong in terms of look. Stuff happens. I think it's okay to tell your fans they were wrong. Like I, I you don't want to bite the hand yeah. that feeds you, but I, I think you can say, hey, that's not who we are. Like I, I and I know Penn State's not have done that typically and that's not who we are and the fact that he didn't do that either means he doesn't think that which is wrong or he's just fanning the flames among among his fans for no responsible reason which is also wrong and and that's why Kirk Ferentz isn't a voice in my into my ex my consummation of, of college media and people who covered it he is not a voice of reason or a voice that's trusted for the sport in general he's been there for 20 some years nobody ever says hey Let's get Kirk's Kirk's opinion on right. college football rules and whatever. That doesn't happen because I think people know that maybe he's not the guy who's reasonable enough to do that. And I think this week proved that. Let's let's let me ask one question, and then we'll get on to James. This is kind of stuff. Um, and then we should probably also talk about Sean Clifford too. Um, by the way, um, uh, I. I don't think how I want to say this. I, I'm just gonna, you know, what, I'm just gonna say it. James Franklin is a black man. Point blank, he's a black man. Do I think that had anything to do with Kirk Ferentz's comments? I don't know. Do I think it's a very interesting time given the last two years of Kirk Ferentz's stuff? Yeah. Do I think it's even more interesting that this? that he doesn't want to go testify or, or be deposed this week or whatever week. Yeah. Do I wonder if some of that and just the uh, momentum that, that is happening with the Iowa program, like not like I was having a good year, even regardless of who they're playing. I do. Is it, is it all just kind of maybe meeting? And, and that's kind of what I've been wondering and, and thinking about this week is like, and unfortunately, like James Franklin, unfortunately, maybe some some of the some of it because of his skin color is kind of the scapegoat. And I, I don't know. I just it's just a thought. It's all missing. No, and I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's unreasonable. I was having a season that if it were your team, when the guys are making the big plays and the turnovers happen, where you're saying, "Oh, we're we're destined. This is a special season, right?" Like if that was happening right. to your team, you'd embrace it. And I, and I don't begrudge them that success and, it, and it's fun and God, it'd be nice if somebody else on the Western side of the big 10 was any good on a consistent basis besides Wisconsin and Iowa to like make that division matter a little bit. But yeah, like I, I just, I think Ference is at, at fault mostly because fans are always wrong. I mean, right. they just are. They're just right. emotional. Like, it's, not like, it's, it's not like Kirk Ference told the fans to boo. But no, he, he had a he chance a, to be the voice of reason afterwards yes, and threw it away. He has a chance. He had two chances. He had the post-game interview, which if he's fired up after the post-game interview, I'll give him a little bit of a pass. But on a Tuesday presser, I'm not going to give him the pass if he gets asked about it. 
No, and if somebody now there could be somebody on the Iowa the Iowa staff, sports information communications person who might get in his ear and do whatever, but he's been there for however long. He's not going to listen. I, yeah, he's not going to listen. We've seen that happen rather close to home, but I'm saying he's wrong. He he is the he is the bad guy in this thing. <sighs> not at the start, but certainly at the finish. Because the first time, right after the game, had his chance. Okay, maybe not. But the Tuesday presser should have been about our fans were wrong. Like I, even if even if you believe for some reason that Penn State were faking it, you have to be bigger than that for the good of the sport. And you make your point with James Franklin at a coaches meeting in Chicago somewhere else. And, or, and it just it's not going to happen that way. Or maybe he doesn't even need to say the fans were wrong. Maybe he just says and leaves it at this. Uh, I want to apologize for my assistant coach's reaction to following on the field. That's not who we are. You know, let's we're moving on from that. We're focused on Purdue. Not a great answer. Probably could have expounded on it, but at least we're not talking about it because now like nobody's talking. Nobody in the national media is talking about this Purdue game. Everybody's talking about this James Franklin and, and Kirk Ferentz thing. Yeah, how great would it be if they lost to Purdue because they were focused on this? I mean, that's yeah. the kind of stuff, the pettiness for me is a, is a little bit of – Yeah, no, I, I agree a, with that. You know, the, um, and in James Franklin's – I mean, it, it's it's kind of ironic or, or fortuitous, I guess, that this comes during a bye week for Penn State because if this were any other time on a midweek meeting with the press, it would have been Tuesday, it was Wednesday this week, it would have been next team, next team, next team. Yeah, yeah. And, and – and even still, I, I'm kind of surprised it's not next team, next team, next team. You know, so I think he's a little ticked, more than a little ticked, because he's he's taken the bait and gone back at it. And and there's a, there was an opportunity for him to say, hey, I, I kind of disagree with how they're painting it, but I've got a team that we got injuries to fix, we got to do whatever. And, and he's gone back at it a little bit. So I think everybody's genuinely a little ticked at each other. So, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, no, I agree with you. And I think he is... I think he's just that ticked. Like, I think, I think it would be different if he, if this was phrased towards the coaching staff, but because it involves players so much and because it involves key players, like, like he pointed out, like there's a captain of the team that is no longer to be able to play this year. There's another pseudo captain that is uh, maybe Sean Clifford is a captain. I, I, I yeah, could yep. be wrong. Uh, you know, that, is questionable now. Um, and certainly Jaquan Brisker has basically been a captain, at least the on the field leader. Um, and I, I think. This is, uh, this is good. I've got my kids back stuff. Yeah. I was just going to say that. that. Like, I don't want this to be about recruiting. I do not think that's what his motive is here, but my God, if I was a parent and I was hearing this, I would say, Hey, Timmy, you're going to go play at Penn state. Like I like the way this guy's defending, defending. No, I, I think it's, I think it's great. I've got my kids back stuff. I, I mean, I've got some other questions about, you know, the stuff we talked about early in the season about how long he sticks around and in and, and, and a totally different show. Oh my I God. know, oh well, my the, God. but it is the right thing. I mean, he's, he's done that, but when he pulls out the piece of paper, right. And he's got the stats, the news conference, and he wants to talk about the record, you know, he wants to say, just showing you the facts. This is how it is. And at the meantime, it's like kind of an FU to the to the Iowa folks to, for saying what they're saying. He's saying, look, here's here's what I've got. But it's yeah, I would love to know. I would love to be at the next meeting of of of, of Ferentz and Franklin. And I'm honestly, sure I hope it's, it's at midfield cordial. in Indianapolis in, you know, six or eight weeks. Super cordial. Exactly. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I hope. All right. So let's let's. One of the reasons why we did this podcast on Thursday, besides the lightning playing on Tuesday, is the fact that we waited to see if Sean Clifford was going to be out or find out that Sean Clifford was going to be out. And he's not. I'm not someone that subscribes to the message boards, but I have been passed notes via the message boards. I'm not stirring any rumors here that don't already exist. It sure as hell seems like Sean Clifford is going to play against Ohio State and and be available in emergency situation against Illinois. Like you said, I don't think that Sean Clifford, and we can save this for next week if we record, I don't think Sean Clifford should have to play against Illinois. Like, I think this is a perfect opportunity to get, I think, Ron Roberson or Christian Bayou the reps that they need when they need them. Um, 
yeah, uh, so I, I'm not too concerned there. Losing PJ Mustaford does hurt um, a mm-hmm. lot, uh, but from what I've read and seen and heard, seems like he is equally as important on the, off the field as on the field. And, and sometimes you need guys like that. You really do. Um, so, you know, let's put the rest of the defensive line in. A, yeah, I think there's rack. depth there. I, I hope I hope there's depth there. I think there's depth there. Again, I don't think either one matters in the next whatever it is week and a half um but they will matter at ohio you know clifford will matter for ohio state and it's a it's a it's a heavy lift even with him healthy but i think he'll be back yeah all right um anything else you want to say no we're headed for hockey right that was a lot there yeah we're gonna talk about hockey real quick uh steve did you watch any of the the ice sport over the last two nights i watched the, the, the game that you watched that first night lightning didn't watched it great. on espn it was great to have espn back i saw the penn state alumna between the boards you know given the reports it was wonderful <clears throat> steve what did you think as a, I, I always like to ask these questions because i consume way more hockey than you what did you think as a casual fan did it do anything was it anything better about that you know you? they talked about they talked about having some lower angles this year we'll see if that continues like i think they always say oh we're gonna do different camera angles do whatever and i think well, you fall so back to what they you're did with. they did the sky they cam did. thing which yep. is cool i like the sky cam some people don't like the sky cam they also did um the robo cam so there's a robo cam at center ice and then there's two behind the nets at amelie at least i don't know if every arena has them the ones at amelie the Bally Sports Florida broadcast will show those a lot, especially when the Lightning are on a power play. And I love them because I think it shows the game from a different perspective and it makes you understand how a power play works. Like if I was coaching kids, that's what I would show. Um, yeah, I think of all the sports where they do that angle, I think it works best in hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when they'll do that in football, I feel like it's a video game thing and they're just trying and I'm more comfortable with the other look. In hockey, I'm comfortable with it there. I, I loved hearing Sean McDonough. Like I just, I had forgotten that he was going to be a lead guy. And when I got there, I'm like, okay, this, this sounds like hockey. This is, and again, they're, they're, they're right. You know, when they talked, when the league talked about it, when Batman talked about, well, if ESPN gives us half as much love as they didn't, when they didn't have us, it's going to make a difference. It was the lead of sports center the next morning. It was hockey's going to feel relevant until basketball starts next week. Hockey's going to feel relevant, (laughs) you know, again, and even with it, it's going to feel more relevant because they have it. Um, and I think that's important for casual fans to say, oh, okay, this is actually a sport that matters. So I haven't watched ESPN this week much. I want to see what they're doing with it in other hours, like like when they don't have these nat- – like even the they even if they have the Hulu ESPN Plus exclusive broadcast, I want to see what they're doing with it in terms of like – tomorrow morning for example like nobody has a national game tonight like what are they doing with it tomorrow morning are they actually talking about that's where the difference is going to come in but like there were multiple things that happened that just like never happened with nbc first off they were on good uh, the gary bettman was on good morning america Mm -hmm. on tuesday wednesday morning which was great so tuesday i forget what day it was um that was great the fact that they got Justin Bieber, arguably top 10 most famous people in the world, to do a voiceover, incredible. Um, there were certain things like that that happened, and, and I, I just thought that was nice. I will say I didn't like Sean McDonough, and I normally do. I felt like he was a little too conversational on uh, just me. That was me nitpicking. I think I think it was awful announcing or someone uh, someone out there had an article and I think this was a great way to summarize it. There were flashes of the future of hockey and and kind of where we're headed with the NHL with the, on ESPN. We'll get to TNT in a second. But uh, I think we're, it's just going to take time. Like everybody's just going to need to be patient and I think that's what kind of we sort of saw like there were little graphics that they were doing. There were little, like, even, like, the, like, coming back from intermission was great because they had, like, the, like, augmented reality 3D graphic on the center ice that they kind of sort of do with Monday Night Football. Um, they even had, like, they didn't have the, like, 
quirky Monday Night Football, like 3D animation, but they had a sort pseudo animation like that. You never got stuff like that with with NBC. You, you you basically got the game, you got analysis, and then you got the game, and then you got the analysis, and then the game, and then the game was over, and you got a little bit more analysis, and that was it. Um, so I thought that I, was nice. I think the future. Th- I think it'll be interesting to see how they wrestle with what they present and who presents it. I mean, I know they're the talent set for the year, but like the sports center hits, at least in the first couple of days are Barry Melrose, which is fine, but he has a little, there was a little bit of tone. I think it was this morning with, with the gab session with the female anchor that was there. That was Barry Melrose hockey guy doing some hockey splaining to the, to the non hockey mm-hmm. public as part of sports center, which sounds unnecessary and sounds it, it makes hockey sound like it needs this and they're so happy to be there that i think they need to be aware of and not do just talk about your sport just do your stuff mm-hmm. just don't you know i forget what he said he said something in and in hockey we call it this and i'm like yeah no kidding even i know that and i yeah. you know and i think you got to be careful of that to not delegitimize yourself you know accidentally just because you haven't seen everybody in a while in this platform I thought about that on, on Tuesday night as well. Um, And I actually thought like they did a nice job presenting the game in a way that was for hockey fans. Like they, they assumed you had a third grade level knowledge of hockey as opposed to like a kindergarten level of hockey, which I think kind of is sort of what you're, you're getting at there. Um, Yeah. I thought, I mean, I think it's just going to take time. It's just just got to be patient with it. Um, I I don't know. I, I I thought ESPN was good. I watched. Did you watch any of the TNT? No, stuff? I knew you were going there. So what did it look like? I didn't watch that so, one. So the TNT stuff was good. Um, but here's the problem with TNT: they have so much of the NBC stuff, like NBC talent. That I'm just like, I feel like I'm watching NBC package slightly different. Like the TNT broadcast did not cut to any different camera angles. It just didn't do anything different. And I was like, meh. Um, that they, they they tried some stuff on the ice and stuff like that. I I worry about the TNT broadcast because I was thinking, like, yeah, they have Gretzky now, and that's cool. Like, what if Wayne Gretzky in two years says, I'm done with this? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I won't have to come to Atlanta every week and talk about hockey. Like, he, he's he's very much a businessman now. It, it, as much as he was a hockey player, he's very much a businessman. You lose that edge. And I don't know. I The TNT broadcast has just got to work harder to impress me, I think. Like, TNT needs to do a great job of, of proving to me that this isn't just NBC with different window dressing. Well, and I think that's fair because the, the value added with ESPN isn't just the game. The value added is the other stuff you get. It's the relevance. It's the crossover with ABC that we talked about. It's the sports center hits. So they can do the games and do them a little better, but you're still getting the value added because all of a sudden they're going to pretend that they remember you exist and your highlights are going to get shown and things like that are going to happen. You, you don't, you don't get that with TNT. You get a game and some studio shows and there's no other, there's no real other added benefit. So, right. Yeah. All right. That's all I have about that. Anything else? No. I'm okay. glad it's back. Sound. I love I'd love to hear the music again. I thought that was a cool little feature. Yeah, I thought that was I, neat. I thought that was a neat little pregame thing. So Okay. Um all right. So there, there's two sports media topics that I want to discuss. I guess two more sports media topics that I want to discuss. Um so uh, let's discuss the Adam Schefter thing because I thought that was interesting. Boy, was that interesting. Um, so basically, long story short, in the emails that came up from Gruden, uh, there was also a email in there where Adam Schefter had, I think it was Bruce Allen, uh, mm-hmm. uh, had had him take a look at a story as a source and was like, let me know if you have any feedback, edits, anything like that. <sighs> I, I just, I know that Adam Schefter has to like really work hard and and like there's a quick pro quo and there probably shouldn't be ethically. 
I, I, it just kind of felt, it felt gross, I guess. Because like at the end of the day, like it still is sports. It still is, you know, like it, even if it is sports, it's still impacting thousands of people's jobs that get paid a lot of money. And I, I don't know. I just kind of thought that was a little, little weird. Did you have a take on that? I'd be interested to talk to somebody in the College of Calm at Penn State to see what they would say about that. Yeah, and I, I didn't get a chance to check check with John Affleck about that. I mean, I mean, he'd be the one for the, for the Center for Sports Journalism in the college. I mean, I think there's a play a way a way you go back and check facts and confirm <laughs> stuff as opposed to here's my whole stinking story. Yeah, take a look at it and let me know. Like, I think there's a difference that you you I mean, fact checkers at Sports Illustrated or whatever in the day, and I assume still used to happen, but it used to happen on Sundays. The, the fact checkers would call all the people that were in, his, in the story and say, hey, can you confirm this? And I, and I just read Steve Russian's, read both Steve Russian's book in the, in the past two months. And he tells a story about being a fact checker at ESPN and having to call the paternal household, actually, at like some a god awful hour on a Sunday morning to confirm a, the color of a car or something that somebody made reference to in their story. And that was the kind of fact checking they did. And that's what I think of when fact checking. Hey, right. Bruce Allen, I got this is the quote I have you saying, you know. Is that work for you, Bruce? Right. As opposed to here's the whole story. Like I, I just t- turned yeah. over the whole story just felt. It felt like PR, which is what we say. Journalism is not, I guess. Right. Well, not, I guess was what we say. And then it is typically. I wonder, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I, I understand that he's really to get the sources that he's developed. And probably at that time, because it, it was like 2012, 2011 ish, I think is when that email was so he's not necessarily adam schefter today at today's adam schefter but he's still a very important player in in terms of the the nfl media landscape i don't know i someone else brought up the story uh about the athletic had about kyrie irving and basically like the worthiness of doing these things that you have to do to break a story 45 seconds before the press release goes out like okay maybe like tom pelisaro on on sunday night yeah like he had it probably a, a solid 10 minutes before everybody else like yeah that with john gruden but i i don't know like I, I do think about that. Like, what is, what's the rush? Like, we're going to find out, like, we're going to find out that Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the season eventually. I think maybe if the, I think there, this is where, like, the, the difference between investigative journal, journalism and breaking news journalism mm-hmm. comes into play. And I think we just have to remember that, not excusing what Adam Schefter did, because I don't think what he did was right. But I just after we have to remember that this is kind of sort of where that comes into play. Yeah, and I, I and I think like Gruden in some ways his email just happens to be the one that that people that people had and and are using. I I, am, I don't have any doubt at all that that Woj who covers the the NBA for, for ESPN now and made his reputation before the NBA has a relationship with with executives and GMs for whom this stuff may be more apt to happen than it is the athletes, and that's why they because because the athletes turn and change. The GMs stick around. They're your sources. So I think this stuff may happen, or at least that kind of contact, if not a full story, that relationship matters more for them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I think it just happens more with them, I guess. All right. That's all I got to say there. Younger journalists. Here we go. Woo-hoo. All right. Yeah. So I wanted to discuss this because this is a very interesting topic to me. Um, so if you haven't seen this, haven't heard this, the OU Daily, which is the student newspaper at the University of or Oklahoma University, um, reported on their quarterback situation. And there were two things that happened in the article. Number one, they let me let me get the direct um, let me get the direct phrasing. So they were able to watch practice from perch basically a different spot on campus so that they could kind of see what was going on and here's from the article it says the daily watched the offensive practice regimen from a public building near the ou practice field with no athletics employees discouraging observation the ou or the daily does not 
observed practice regularly, but did so Tuesday under heightened interest given the situation. And I just like thought that that was super fascinating. And I wanna, I wanna discuss that and then we'll discuss the other interesting part that I think other people are missing in this. So one of the things that I can hear Mike Poorman saying in my ear, I can hear other college professors at Penn State saying in my ear is, you're on campus with these people, go ask them, go talk to them. You see them, go ask them. Um, Steven Pianovich, who works for CBS Sports now, um, was at the Collegian at, at my time. Paul Jones was in town as a quarterback, then transferred to tight end, slid over to tight end. And it's like week two and a half, maybe, of the football season. And there's a report out that he's transferring. He walks up to Paul Jones and says, hey, Paul, saw, sees him in the Willard building, says, hey, Paul, are you transferring? And he's like, I can't talk about that. But you know what? Like, to me, like, that is the difference between college journalism and even like, like any of like, like a Ryan Snyder. And that's no offense to Ryan, Ryan Snyder, I think, or Greg Pickle, even what Greg Pickle now, Greg Pickle was a student. I, I know that he was, I watched him in class take multiple phone calls from recruiting parents and families, like leave a class to go, to go do that. And uh, to me, like, Good on the OU Daily for doing this because this is the advantage of being a college student journalist. Like this is, you have certain perks. And like, I know for a fact at Penn State, like there were multiple times where certain athletes would be spotted on campus in the little go-kart, the little like scooter thing with crutches and somebody would tweet it out. And then that person would get an email saying, hey, don't tweet that out. You can't really tweet that out. And it's just like, well, I saw it. Like, uh, I don't know. And and especially now with the backdrop of NIL and kids able to make money. Yes, you can tweet that out. You're in a public place. You could do that. No, kudos to the OU kids. They called Spencer Rattler's father and talked to him for the story, which is great. I I think having read the OU's, the story about their coverage of it, I think their mistake probably was saying, here's how we made the sausage, right? Like, I don't know that they need to say, hey, we went to this. I mean, and God bless Oklahoma, the KISS students, right? Oklahoma does the same thing Penn State does. They're shutting down practice, don't want anybody to watch. But there's nothing you can do about that building across the street right. or right there that has a balcony that anybody can stand out and watch. And they stood there and watched and counted snaps of the reps of the quarterbacks. Oh, my God. That's yeah. wonderful. No, that's like, that's it's amazing. It that's smart. That's great. I mean, like, even, like, there were times, there was probably two times, where I happened to be at Pagula, happened to be getting Annie Ann's during hockey practice. And I even got a little not like, hey, like careful because you might burn a bridge there. And speaking of burning bridges, like, you know what? Like, I think this is this is one of the most talked about stories in the country right now in terms of athletics, college athletics. So like, if the fact that, OU shuts down their football media availability because of this. Good on them. Super fascinated to find out what happens to that building because you know, you know that some little intern is going to have to go up there every football practice now and has to sit there and watch people. Hey, you can't you can't sit there with your binoculars or something like that because yeah, and I doubt it even took binoculars. I think it was probably right there. Uh, yeah, and I think the athletic departments in the. Athletic department's reaction in the case you describe here, in cases I've experienced here as a student, and, and even later, in this case with OU, is taking a sledgehammer to a gnat. Like, stop it. So they were industry enough, industrious enough to figure it out yeah. and figure out something. It's not going to lose you a game. They weren't telling the play formations. They weren't doing whatever. They were just doing their job. And at some point, if you're a professional in your job, and, and this is a professional approach. You have to respect that professionalism and say, hey, guys, good job. And, and to take it out on the whole beat is even more petty. And, right. and the problem with the media is, and, and I guess it's because, and it is because people want the information, but if the media had any chutzpah or cojones or balls or whatever, they'd say, you know what? Press conference next week. Thanks. We're not coming. Forget mm, it. Go ahead. Go ahead and, and, and do it without us. You're going to shut us out. Do it without us. But they can't do that. And they won't do that because one person one media outlet will still 
go cover it. Um, yeah, no, I like it. I, I think I think that makes sense. I think that was a good idea. Because um, yeah, I, I, I could just, see that, I could see that easily playing out here, it just as easily. You could change the colors from red and white to blue and white, and if something ticked them off, I could see Penn State saying, "Hey, don't do this." And it'd be different if it was illegal, totally sneaky, um, hidden, unscrupulous, whatever, something that wasn't allowed. But that wasn't the case here. And, and it just happened to be like in the building, like, oh, well, but see. it's a public building. It's, a, it's right. a building on the campus. Right. right. And, and if the door's not locked and whatever else, you know, I, I don't know. It's not I don't know. It's not like they were cheating something to do it or I don't know, cutting a fence or whatever. And I just think as a as now in my role as a PR person, if a kid's smart enough to figure that out, if I would have a faculty member do something and, and they went around and talked to a faculty member's family or done whatever else, hey, good on you. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I wish we'd have thought of that or told somebody not to talk, but way to go. The other part of this that I, I thought was really interesting, you hit on it there. The fact that they went out and thought, let's go talk to the dad, because you know who loves to talk? These parents. As somebody that that covered collegiate athletics, like the, the parents like to talk, like they don't want to be the center of the spotlight, but they like to talk. And I, I think oftentimes, at least like at Penn State, and, and this isn't a knock on anybody at Penn State, I just feel like it hasn't been as used resources as as frequently in some of the media that I've in, in well, Maybe I it's think just they're me. shut down too. Like I think the parents are told. And I wonder. Hey, I wonder what. Yeah, I wonder if there's like a pack. I think they, they to want sign they, or whatever. Yeah, I think they want the, the parents to get the media through the sports information department, which again is silliness, right? Like it's just these are adults who raise children, who in theory have jobs, who probably have talked about their kids before, and nobody's calling with any gotcha questions, you know. And and, and if not for the gift that keeps on giving of this week's, you know, penalty story. You know, I was really interested in what, what the Penn State media was going to do this week for a story, because unless there's a news conference, very rarely is anything driven about Penn State football in an industrious manner. Like nobody's going out and saying, hey, I'm going to talk to parents. Hey, I'm going to talk to the coach's wife. Hey, I'm going to do I mean, I mean, there have been a couple of requests for that, but they've been denied. But like that, there has there's not something that says there's a lot of, hey, if there's a press conference, there's going to be a story. There's not a lot of hey, there's not a press conference, let's go find a story. Right. And in a bye week, it would have been interesting to see what was happening, if not for all the silliness that we got instead. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, anything else there? No, I'm sitting down and waiting for old guy, young guy. I told you. Okay, okay, I know, okay. I don't, but I don't know where you're going. Like, you know, it's kind of like, here's so, a sign, but I'm not sure we're turning there. Okay, so I... Last week, I was stressed before the game, and I was like, I'm going to go to the driving range, just put my mind on something else and then i was like i have this gift card that i want through a realtor to go play for for a golf course nearby and i'm gonna go play golf tomorrow steve for the first time Ooh. in five years and i want to know what what would you spend on a round of golf because like like what are you comfortable spending on a round of golf depends on where you're playing i think like now like up here yeah, uh, the general central PA. In the general central PA, right, you're going to get a cart in 18 holes for like 45 bucks. Like, I think that's Penn State. Sky top, I can probably do it for 40 or 35, depending on the time of day, time of year or time of day. Um, so, yeah, I think 50 bucks-ish, right, like is what the going rate is up here. Um, when we were in, in Virginia, in, in Fairfax uh, a few years ago, it was maybe five bucks more than that. Although we lived, the community we lived in was on a golf course. So if you were there, you got a little break. So I don't know what the full rate was. And a friend of mine was a school teacher. So his foursome got breaks sometimes too. So I don't know that I ever paid full, full rate there, but probably like 45, 50 bucks. Okay. So I more than golfing, that. I feel like I was, it was a lot. Sorry, go ahead. I'm golfing during the, the twilight hours and their season also happens to end next week. Like I'm going after work to do this and I'm only going get, to get to probably play nine mm-hmm. holes. I'm not going to get to play. Their season ends next week, I think, or like at the end of the month or something like that. And so my price is $29. I don't know if that includes a cart. I'll probably pay the extra for the cart, whatever the, that cost is. But what's, 
what's interesting to me is like there are other times there it's like 89 bucks to play golf like and I, i was like this is one of the reasons why i haven't played golf very often around here since moving to virginia slash now maryland it's very expensive to golf and i was just curious like i wanted to know like if it was an old guy young guy thing or just whatever like i mean i, I don't think you're a big golfer um, no i mean i've played i've gotten out uh, four or five times this year which is a lot for me um and now i i paid more for the charity round like the united way center County, right. Right? right like i paid more for that round right and and whatever else but no i mean at that point the recreation becomes awful expensive and i i can figure out other things i can do with my recreational dollars and, and susan doesn't golf she wants to learn but she doesn't right now um so when i think about that money i think okay wait a second i can play a round of golf or we take the bikes and we ride you know some trail for like 18 miles and we get dinner and then we both mm-hmm. are together and then the price is almost the same like i'll do that math before i spend a lot more money on golf probably it's just fascinating to me like the cost of golf i guess is, is what i'm saying like I, yeah like i my brother golfs a lot and i'm sure he spends a lot and spends more than i do but I, I like golfing with him so like when he gets there like and he tells me he helps me get better so he's really good so like that's fun to, with him but i don't i just i just don't value it enough to do it to, to spend that money on it yeah it's and like like if the closer you get to truly like dc like because i looked at some of the easy 150 dollars yeah around like and I, yeah i just i just can't I, I can't make that make sense to me financially you know <laughs> like and it's just, and like that's like you have to like walk the course like you're not even like like you're not getting anything <laughs> special like you're not getting a, a magic ball that's going to help you play better or something like that <laughs> you know i don't know no you're right i agree Anyways. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the frugal golfer yeah yeah um all right that's all i wanted um i don't know if we'll do a podcast next week we might we might not it's homecoming um, well but like Going into homecoming, there'll be a news conference Tuesday. We'll know okay. if the quarterbacks all right, all right, playing. All right, all right, all right, all right, fine. Probably do a podcast next week. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, you can subscribe and like us on our podcasting services. Um, give us five stars there. Um, my Twitter handle is at stuff summer says. Yours is at Steve Sampson. Anything else, Steve? No. Woohoo! Okay. I was Kirk Ferentz is a jerk. He said it, not me. (laughs) All right. Goodbye.